Well, good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Patriot Tools, we're trying to answer any automotive questions you may have. Our number is 291-6901. And you use the area code here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is 225. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. Sure wish you would. We appreciate hearing from you. Kind of matter you may have on your mind, technical yep. advice you want, or just want to make a comment. You can give us a call, and we'll try to help you out and point you in the right direction. And right now is the perfect time to call, because we got a lot of time to get your questions answered right now. Always is at the early part of the show, because as the show goes on, it gets a little more unpredictable. We sort of run out of time and that right. sort of thing, and a little bit more difficult to get calls answered. Give us a call. We'll give it a shot. <laughs> That's it. You know, it's, it's kind of always amused me, I guess, that things seem to go in groups. Uh-huh. And what I mean by that, like this week, I've gotten a number of email on one specific topic. Right. And it's not unusual to do that. I don't know what could control that. I don't know because I noticed it with the vehicles we work yeah. on. Because one day, a Jeep, let's just say a Jeep will show up. Mm-hmm. Well, the next three days, we've got four more Jeeps. Yeah. And they kind of fade off, and something else comes in, and you have three or four of those. And or like, yeah, it's, it's odd the, the way it works. The cylinder heads on Chevrolet engines, those cracking cylinder right. heads, you didn't see any of them. And all of a sudden, they start showing up. And then you're just deluged by them. And then it may go several months, you won't see another one. Well, one will show up, and then you'll get two or three more. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of peculiar the way that happens. And I'm sure it's just random chance. But I've got a number of email this week past week about folks who are changing the brake fluid in their car okay always a good thing every three years or so and on cars i guess of the past where brakes used to wear out faster before they had ceramic brakes mm-hmm. then most people only got 30 to forty thousand miles on a set of brakes they and would generally flush the brakes out when they did a brake service so it kind of got done a lot more but today with the ceramic pads it's not unusual for a person doing a lot of highway driving to maybe get 100,000 miles or more on the original brakes. Ten-year-old vehicle. Ten years old, and the fluid has never been addressed. Right. So that fluid can get very contaminated. It can, and it absorbs moisture, mm-hmm. and the moisture attacks the insides of the system. When you flush it out, the first thing you want to make sure you do is get clean brake fluid from a sealed container. And, you know, one of the questions that I got a number of times is that, is it necessary to buy the OEM brake fluid? Mm-hmm. And, of course, companies like Honda, Toyota, GM, Ford, they don't make brake fluid. They right. buy it on the market just like you do. And, and they, they buy it their own package. So there's no real advantage of buying a bottle of GM brake fluid over a name brand, be it Wagner or Ice or one mm-hmm. of the name brand companies. You know, I don't really advocate some of this white bottle junk made in China. Right. I, you just don't know you if don't it know meets the standards or not. The biggest thing is you want a sealed container. And what I mean by a sealed container, I used to like the metal cans with the metal right. plug in the top, but you just can't hardly find those anymore. Right, everybody's going to the plastic. Everybody's uh, going containers. to plastic. But at very least, if you take the cap off, it needs to have that, that, foil, that seal. foil seal that's bonded to the neck of the bottle. Correct. If you take the cap off and you can see the brake fluid, just got a little cardboard seal, I would not buy that brake fluid. Right, because it the moisture can seep through that card around the threads of that cap and through that cardboard and contaminate the fluid. Could be a contaminated bottle right off the shelf. You just don't know. At least with the sealed foil seal, you know. This, right, it this, was sealed when it was. It put was in. sealed when it was put in. Also, you know that no one's opened it and put anything in it, which, or took some out, or took some out, or whatever. So 
And, you know, the reason you were saying that is because power steering fluid is clear, mm-hmm. and so is brake fluid. Right. And they get mixed up on a you know frequent basis, mm-hmm. especially if you don't, if the, the containers look the same, you know, two white Sometimes bottles. Sometimes they are similar. Right. So you got to be very careful about making sure you are using brake fluid. Right. And you want to buy this from a high-volume place. You don't want to go to some little small place that maybe buys a case of brake fluid, takes them five years to sell it. Correct. You want someone who's turning over a fair amount of brake fluid. So you know the product is fairly new. And most of them do have a date code stamp somewhere, somewhere. on the case. It's usually not on the bottle. Um, I believe some of the bottles actually have Really? One. That would be well, really nice. We use we go through brake fluid mm-hmm. a couple of gallons a week. Right. And uh, I think on the bottom of the jug mm-hmm. has a date code on it. Yeah. As long as it's got some type of a date code on there. And thing is, another question I got, you got dot three, of course, and dot four. Right. And they'll say, well, is dot four better than dot three? And the answer is no. It's not better. It's different. Correct. If your car requires dot four, for instance, if you have a European car, it may require dot four, then you would use dot four. Dot four has a higher initial boil point. Correct. However, it's not better than dot three because it also contaminates faster. Because it has the higher boiling point. Because it has more alcohol in it, it's going to have a higher boil point, but it's going to also absorb moisture faster. So if you want to get the higher ball point, then you have to remember you're going to have to change this more often, maybe every two years. Instead of three. But I would recommend just going with a dot three because as long as it's kept clean, it's going to have a high enough ball point where you're never sure. going to have an issue with it. Sure. So, again, you want a sealed container, preferably fall sealed container, high-volume kind of place, the right fluid, check the date code if you can, and, like I said, all that sort of before you even get started sure. on doing the job. Now, as far as doing the job, the first thing I guess you want to do is to inspect the brakes. Make sure you don't have a leak anywhere or any kind of problem that would require service because if you're going to do a service on it, now would be the time. But the next thing you may want to try to do is you're going to need to take the old fluid out of the master cylinder. Well, before you take the cap off, you want to make sure it's clean mm-hmm. around the top of the cap. Clean it as best you can to keep any trash when you take the cap off from dropping into the cylinder. Mm-hmm. Because once it hits that fluid, usually dirt or anything like that will just dissolve. Right. It's going to absorb into that fluid and just become a contaminant. And that's real, real bad on people who live maybe on dirt roads, people right. who live on farms, people who live where there's a lot of dirt and dust. That dust, I know we get farm trucks in a lot of times, mm-hmm. and you raise the hood and it it's is just, just covered. covered with dirt and dust because they're driving on dirty you know, dirt roads a lot. Right, and any type of leak or vent right, will have, it, it'll be wet, so the dirt will stick to it and it'll turn into a mucky mud. Right, and even if it's just sitting on there, I mean, at I guess the point is, at very least, you need to take some compressed air or something, blow all that off, or take a towel and wipe it all off before you open the master cylinder. Right. Now, once you get the master cylinder open, you want to remove that fluid because that fluid has been exposed to the most air of anything. The master is vented. It has to be vented or the fluid couldn't run out to go into the system. Mm -hmm. So you want to remove the fluid that is in the master cylinder. You do not want to force this contaminated old fluid all the way through through the the system. So... The best thing I find with that is some type of a suction bulb or mm-hmm. a little suction pump, maybe like an old turkey baster kind of a right device. Just make sure you label it brake fluid. <laughs> right. You don't want to give it back to your wife and have her baste the turkey now right. at Thanksgiving. It's probably going to give you a really nice flavor. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. But, yeah. Yeah, anything like that. Uh, a big syringe. You know, I like to use those turkey baster syringes when, mm-hmm. you, get, when you, you can buy them with the basting uh, right. liquid. 
when you're done with them, just mark them brake fluid, and you can use that over and again, over you know several times, and it works real well for that. It takes a little while because it's a, it's not a great Small, big syringe, yeah. but it, it's better than nothing at all. Yeah, you want to suck that fluid out, and you don't want to get it completely dry because of the chance air can enter the system. But get out as much as you can, leaving just a very little bit above the two ports in the bottom of the basket cylinder. And at that time, you can look at the side of the reservoir because most of them are plastic. Mm-hmm. And if that fluid has been in there a long time, it's kind of etched into the side of the plastic reservoir. Right. And it still looks like it has fluid in it. The whole point of that plastic reservoir is to be able to glance at that cylinder and see how much fluid is left in it. Right. But once that stain starts in that plastic, you're not going to be able to do that anymore. So if you can reach in there with a clean rag and kind of wipe the side of it, you're well, better off. But a, a clean lot of rag them you can. with a little bit of brake fluid on it because sure. brake fluid is the safest cleaner. It is a good cleaner, and you can use that to clean. Don't put any kind of chemical no. or anything in there because you may contaminate your brake fluid. Right. Particularly any type of petroleum-based cleaners, you, you would never do that. But, yeah, clean that reservoir good because that way you can check your fluid level without having to remove the cap. Right. Which lessens the chance of contamination. Of moisture getting into the system. Now, once you get it drawn out, go ahead and pour some fresh fluid in. Mm-hmm. Work the pedal a few times, and you're going to notice it starts to get dirty again. Sure. Draw it out again. And you might do that one or two times depending on how dirty the system is to go ahead and get that reservoir cleaned up and get the initial done. Right. That's going to be your starting point. That's the starting point. We're going to get a lot deeper into this in just a minute, but we're going to take a quick little break. Be right back with more. Take the highway. That's the best. Hello, you must be Glenda de Goodwitch. Uh, relax on the couch and tell me what's stressing you out. Do you know how stressful it is to be good all the time? I don't want to be wicked, but sometimes I just like to not say thank you or pinch a bratty kid or stick my finger in a chocolate. And if I don't like the flavor, put it back in the box. Oh, that would be divine. Unfortunately, Glenda, I can't assist you with your goodness issues. Uh, but for peace of mind, schedule an annual general inspection with Agco Automotive. They'll check out your vehicle, perform needed maintenance, and let you know about future repairs. Sad ways, there are no surprises. Well, you definitely want your automotive repair shop to be good and not wicked. A young girl once told me there's no place like home. And I've got to go. Just bill me. I'll be somewhere over the rainbow. Toodaloo! That little witch might not be so good after all. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. Just join us at the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Tune Tools will try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Just give us a call. It's 291-6901. We were talking a little bit about replacing the brake fluid in your car. And sure. Why that's important why you might want to do it, but more importantly, how you need to do it. Correctly. And correctly. Yeah. Because one problem that you're going to have, the master cylinder reservoir, we just talked about cleaning that out and all, but you don't ever want to let that go completely dry because if you do, you're going to draw air into the system. Now, once you get air at that point at the master cylinder and you push it into the ABS control valve, on many, many cars, you're going to need a factory scan tool to get the pedal to come back right they have a bleeding procedure where you have to go through and cycle the the solenoids and and run the motors and and everything to to expel the air that is now trapped into that cylinder yeah it's got little accumulators and it's got valves and all that stuff and if those valves are not in the right position the air is not going to come out it's right gonna push it's just it gonna into stay. the accumulator and it's going to sit there 
And what will happen is every time you apply your brakes, the pedal just slowly sinks all the way down to the floor. And you can bleed it and bleed it and bleed it. Some cars, you will get lucky if a small amount gets hit. It may bubble on through. Sure. On a few more cars, you might be able to bleed it, take it out, put in a couple ABS stops. But just remember when you're doing that to do it safely. Right. Stay away, you know, make sure there's no one else around you while you're doing it. But you're also putting undue wear on the brake system itself. Right. Probably the safest way to do that is to get off on maybe a side road or if you can find a gravel road. Sure. And just hit the brakes hard on a gravel road and the tires will generally lock up on the gravel. On concrete, it's going to be extremely difficult to do. You, yeah, you're going to have to get up a good bit of speed and then That's jab on the brakes. And probably not going to be safe to do. It's not. Even if you had to get in a field with some grass or something, right. course, most people are not going to appreciate yeah. <laughs> sliding around in their fields. So right. you got to be somebody you know or have a permission to do. But that is another possibility. And then come back and bleed the brakes again. You may be able to get it out. Mm-hmm. But more and more, they're going to systems where you have to have some type of factory scan tool, be like a GDI for General Motors or the things called the Tech, the stream, tech stream for Toyota, Toyota or and Lexus, so on and so forth. Right. Is that the point is, if you do not draw air into the system, if you just take a system that is already bled and suck out the fluid, put fresh fluid, push the fresh fluid through, you can avoid ever getting any air in. You're just exactly. exchanging one fluid for another fluid. And that's what you want to do. You don't want to introduce a problem that's going to create a whole lot more work for you. Right. So, Or more expense. More expense if you have to tow the car somewhere because the pedal's on the floor. Right. <laughs> and pay somebody to do it. So you've got the master cylinder clean, and you're ready to go ahead and maybe and start bleeding the brakes. First thing is you need the bleeding sequence for that exact car. Mm-hmm. Now, on a lot of cars... And at one time on all cars, you would start at the wheel furthest from the master cylinder, mm-hmm. which on oh, American cars would generally be the right rear wheel, right? then left rear, then right front, and then left front. But there are some now that that doesn't work any longer. Well, most of them it doesn't because most of your vehicles now have cross braking. Mm-hmm. One side of the master cylinder works the left front and the right rear brake. The back side of the master cylinder works the right front and the left rear on the vehicle. Mm-hmm. So it's got a diagonal braking now. Where it used to be front and rear. One side worked the front, the other side worked the rear. And that dual cylinder came in around 68, I believe it was, 67, 68. Somewhere way ahead. Before that, you had a single cylinder. And if you lost part of the system, you lost braking completely. Right. So in safety, safety, they went ahead and broke it down front to rear. Right. And that worked much better because you would still have rear brakes if you lost front or front brakes if you lost the rear. But as and, the cars got smaller and smaller and lighter and lighter, they needed more braking on each end of the right. vehicle if, if instead of just a little bit the front on front brakes. The rear is not heavy enough to stop the vehicle, to stop the car in most cases, and they don't have enough bias to the rear brakes, right? So that you may not be able to stop the car. And if you get that bleeding sequence messed up, let's say you start on the right rear and go to the left rear, a lot of vehicles will will not bleed out correctly, and it will give you a low brake pedal. When you're bleeding out a sequence, what you will notice is that when you do the first wheel, the pedal may be okay. When you do the next wheel, the pedal drops. Mm-hmm. And in other words, instead of getting higher, it starts getting lower. And as you go, it gets lower and lower until finally maybe it hits the floor. Right. And that's the first sign that you're probably bleeding out of sequence. Now, you're going to have to go to service data and find out what that is because Every car and even different models of the same car are different. Have different procedures sure. on them, and you got to make sure you've got the, the correct procedure that you're bleeding. 
Like I said, I always notice that when you start to bleed the brakes, if you start to bleed the first cylinder and the pedal is getting lower instead need, of higher, you need to stop. Stop right there right. and go get some information and come back. Now, you were talking about bleeding the, the brake. We're assuming we're foot bleeding the brakes right. at home. You should never let the pedal drop too far down as you're bleeding. So either take a wooden block mm-hmm. and put between the floor and the bottom of the pedal, right? or take your other foot and put in there. You don't want to stroke the, the pedal down farther than it has been running right already. Well, the problem is that that cylinder, the piston, only travels a certain distance in that cylinder it's under sti- normal use. Right, but it still has a, a longer cylinder there. Right. It can technically go all the way to the floor, but what happens is that the fluid pressure builds up, so it never does that. It only travels for maybe about a half an inch or so of that cylinder. Right. Well, it may be another three-quarters to inch of the cylinder that's not being used. The fluid is sitting in that aluminum cylinder. It's getting contaminated. It tends to corrode the bore up. Collect trash. It collects trash, one thing and another. If you get in there, open the bleeder screw, push the pedal, it's going all the way to the floor now. Sure. And when it does, that piston is now traveling over a distance that it doesn't normally travel. Now, if that's corroded or pitted up and you've got an older cylinder, let's say your car's got 100,000 miles on it. Mm -hmm. Well, the master cylinder is still fine at this point. But you push that old seal over that rough bore. Right. You're going to cut the seal, and next thing you know, you don't have a brake pedal anymore. pedal is going to the floor now, and you've just incurred the, not only the expense of a new master cylinder, but, but the bleeding bleeding on the a new master out. cylinder. You may not be able to get that air out. Right. Because now you've introduced air into the ABS control valve, which may require a factory scan tool to get out. To, get, to bleed out. The point is, all that can be prevented. You don't have to get in there and push the pedal all the way to the floor. Right. Like I said, a, a block of two by four, even a brick. Sure. Just Anything. something under the pedal to keep it from going all the way down. I mean, if you're a fairly disciplined person, you can just push it down with your foot and stop. Right. I mean, just remember, this can't go all the way down because if it does, I may be damaging the master cylinder by overstroking it. But I like to just take apply pressure with two men. One applies pressure to the pedal. The other one opens the bleeder screw. Correct. Let the fluid run out. Tighten the bleeder screw and then release the pedal. Slowly. Slowly. Don't just drop your foot off yeah, the don't side of it. Step your foot to the side and let it jerk just up. Slowly let it come back up. Mm-hmm. Not only that, another kind of a tip that what we found is that if you, when you release that pedal, the air that is caught in your system will tend to start working its way up towards the mouth so it may bubble up through the reservoir. If you immediately hit it again, you may suck that air right back into it. Sure. And you may not be able to bleed it. So I like to allow about 10 seconds between my pedal strokes. Right. Or go ahead and push the pedal down, open the screw, let it go down, tighten the screw, draw it up, and then wait about 10 seconds. Now, some cars, that's not necessary, but some it is. Mm-hmm. And if you hit it again immediately, draw air back in, well, then you're not really doing the right. job. Right. You're just circulating the air around out of the residue into the master and back out into the reservoir Mm -hmm. so like i said just kind of hesitate wait just a little bit of time also when you're bleeding the brakes on some cars some are just easier to bleed than others Mm -hmm. for some reason some of them it just seems like you can't get the pedal up just like you want it another little tip is you might take something like the handle of a screwdriver or the hammer handle of a hammer right the wooden handle and just kind of tap on that cylinder because sometimes you'll have a bubble that sort of caught Caught. it's not really up at the top where it needs to go out it's just kind of stuck to the wall of the cylinder Mm -hmm. and the fluid flowing through there is not flowing at a high enough velocity to To pick it up push it it. on out right so sometimes just tapping on that cylinder lightly on the caliper or or wheel cylinder whatever will allow that little particle of air to dislodge 
move towards the bleeder screw and come on out. Right. Any air trapped in that hydraulic system is going to give you more travel on the pedal, well, whether what, it be a bubble or, or whatever. Well, exactly, because way brakes work is by hydraulic force. And the law of hydraulics says when I displace a certain amount of fluid, it's going to displace the same amount in another area. Correct. So when I get movement on one cylinder, I get the same movement on the other if they're the same size. Now, I can also put a bigger cylinder moving a smaller cylinder and get more movement at less pressure, or I can put a small cylinder moving a bigger cylinder, which I get less movement but, but higher, higher pressure. pressure. That's how a caliper works. The mm-hmm. piston in the caliper is much larger than the master cylinder, but it only has to move a very, very small distance. Correct. So that when that master cylinder piston moves maybe a quarter of an inch, it may move that piston a few thousandths of an inch, but it moves it with much greater pressure. So that's the way hydraulics work. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem is if there's any air trapped anywhere in that system, air is compressible. Correct. And it's not unusual at all to have 1,200 to 2,000 pounds of pressure in a hydraulic system. And if it's an air bubble, it's going to compress. When it compresses, it's going to take up that movement. you got to remember, you got a smaller piston driving a bigger piston to amplify the force. But that means any movement at all is going to eat up a lot of pedal. Sure. You know, a caliper, if you ever look at the way that it works, those pistons retract back, but they only retract back a few thousandths of an inch, just enough to relieve the pads off of Just the, enough to catch the drag off the rotor. Right. It relieves that drag on the rotor, so they don't have to move a great, great, great distance. If they did, your pedal would go to the floor. That's why, like on rear drum brakes, same thing, that cylinder moves out, pushes those shoes, shoes against the drum, but as the shoes start to wear the distance they have to travel gets greater and greater. Mm-hmm. So the pedal starts getting lower and lower, and that's why you used to adjust brakes. You would go in with a little screw mechanism of some sort and push those shoes closer to, to the, the drum. drum, not dragging, but closer to take up the amount of movement they got to make, and that way you can get a better pedal. And uh, most of them now are self-adjusting. Right. A set of drum brakes that are out of adjustment will give you a low pedal. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's a classic sign. Right. Now, calipers are more or less self-adjusting because the caliper piston moves out of the bore as mm-hmm. the space increases, so they just kind of automatically self-adjust. Right. They will retract back. There's a seal is square cut in the caliper, and that little seal pulls that piston back. That's what relieves mm-hmm. the piston off. But it only has to move just a few thousandths of an inch off of the thing. If it moves much more than that, then you're going to end up with a low pedal. One of the things that can cause that is, let's say you've got dual piston calipers and one piston sticks in the bore, so it no longer moves in and out. What it's doing is that when you apply the brakes, the other piston more or less bends the pad and pushes it over. Correct. So when you let off, it springs back much further. So, so it has a greater distance. So the increases, and your pedal starts going low, 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 and it's a stuck piston in mm-hmm. the caliper. That's just one of those things. Seen that with caliper slides also. Mm-hmm. If the caliper slides bind, it can cause a low pedal. Another thing is like a wheel bearing that is bad. Right. If a wheel bearing is bad, when the weight of the car settles on the wheel bearings, it's going to move that hub because the hub is attached to the bearing. The hub is attached to the rotor, so the rotor pushes that caliper piston in. When you apply the brakes, it pushes it back straight. It, it, right. It has enough force to stand that bearing and that rotor back, back up. up. But the pedal is going to go very low. Right. So that's just a couple of things that can cause a low pedal, even though the system is properly bled. We can talk about more of those as soon as we get back from this break. 
Lie back and tell me what's stressing you out, Mr. Hervorted supervillain, arch nemesis of good. I have electric superpowers, blah, blah, blah. And it sounds like you're burnt out and stressed about your job. Yes, Doctor, the pressure is insane. My wife's always nagging me about my evil plans not being up to par. Melting the polar ice caps, blocking out the sun, world domination. None of it's good enough for her. Uh, some days... I just want a garden. Herr Voltage, I can't really advise you on your super evil plans, but I can offer this advice on gaining some peace of mind. Bring your car in once a year to Agco for a general inspection. They check your vehicle, perform needed maintenance, and they catch any problems early so you don't have major repairs down the road. Hmm, I know Agco could work on my Scion, but can they work on my G19 thermonuclear urban assault car copter? You'll have to call Agco about that. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldezan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Sure appreciate you spending your Saturday morning with us. If you got a question or a comment, you give us a call. We're talking about bleeding brakes and low brake pedals and such as that this morning. But take any topic you might have. Automotive related, we will sure give you an answer we can come up with. <laughs> we'll, we'll try to come up with something for you. There, there you go. go. You were talking about low brake pedals. And what I'm talking about right now is as they pertain to bleeding the brakes. When right. you go in, you had a high brake pedal before maybe and then you start trying to bleed and then all of a sudden it gets low and there's a number of things that can cause that on the later model chevy pickup trucks with the active braking Mm -hmm. you can spot that system because it's got a big sensor in the rear wheels uh, on on the axle tubes right on each side you'll see one and and that means it's got active braking on it probably best to not try to bleed that one yourself we have found that trying to foot bleed that system just creates more problems it just goes to the floor and won't come up and you can run gallons a gallon and a half of fluid through it you're not going to get the pedal back up sometimes you can reverse bleed those if you have the right cylinder type thing it looks like a big syringe right and you have a nipple on you put it on the bleeder screw and push the fluid backwards through the system and it tends to expel the air in the top gets it out a little better you have a pressure bleeding system of course if you have a tech 2 or gdi you can probably go through their bleed procedure and get it out Mm -hmm. but you may start out with a perfectly good pedal and each time you hit the pedal it goes lower and lower until it finally just hits the floor right and you just can't get it back up you can continue to bleed through fluid through it you'll think you're out of sequence and everything else but even though you've got the right sequence it's just it's something about the way that system is set up if you try to foot bleed it you're going to lose the brake pedal you probably are and ironically i think We've run through a handful of them where it just bled out and had no problems. But I'm always super cautious yeah. whenever I see those trucks come in. Yeah, I like to I like to take the pressure bleeder mm-hmm. tank and let then it, bleed those systems right, out. Just let it pressure through there without doing any stroking or anything on it because it's just kind of a weird system, I guess. And you know, it seen a lot a lot of people have to tow vehicles in, just can't get a brake pedal up on mm-hmm. them after, and had no problem to start with. Right now. There are other things that can cause the problem, too, and just diagnosing it can be a whole subject. We could do a whole week of shows just on that, probably. But one thing I have seen is where you're bleeding the brakes, you bleed the two rear brakes, it's got drums on the rear, the pedal comes up, and it's okay. And then when you start bleeding the fronts, the pedal just kind of goes down. And at first, you might, well, maybe I'm out of sequence here, you Mm -hmm. know, because this is kind of a sign of that. But you check, and you've got the proper sequence on it. You check everything else, go back, bleed the rears again, and you get some air out of the rears. And the pedal comes back up, go back to bleed the front, and, and the it pedal back goes down back again. down. 
And what we found is that the wheel cylinders may not leak on the outside. And they're not leaking any fluid. You take the boots back, they're good. So you assume, okay, these cylinders are fine. Right. But the seals in them have gotten hard. And when you bleed the front, it will draw air in past those seals on the rear. And the sign is you had a decent pedal when you bled the rear, but when you go to bleed the front, the pedal starts to drop on Mm -hmm. you. And then you go back to the rear and find air in the line again. you got air in the line again, and that's kind of a dead giveaway. In that case, you're going to need to replace those rear cylinders. Sure. And it's just like so many other parts on a car. We get used to them failing one way. Mm -hmm. I've had people tell me, well, I checked the rear wheel cylinders, and they're fine. I said, how do you know they're fine? Because I pull the boot back, there's no fluid there. Okay, well, that's one way. They go bad. Right. However, they can also draw air in past the seal and not leak. Because when you're bleeding the back, you've got pressure on the seals, and it's expanding that seal out. So it doesn't leak, but when it contracts back in, the air can run in around it. Mm-hmm. Another way that cylinders can fail is that they can seize up. The little piston can seize to the bore. may not leak at all. You may pull the rubber boots back. They look it's fine. Dry. They're just not working. But it will not move. It won't move, or if it moves at all, it doesn't move properly. It may expel out and not retract. It's just not working. I've, so, Like I said, I've seen one side hang up, and just one shoe is being applied mm-hmm. at the time and cause a, a low brake pedal well, like that. anytime you do rear drum brakes, you should examine the wear on the old shoes and see how they're wearing, and they should both be worn roughly the same amount. The same amount top to bottom and the same amount side to side. If you see a shoe where one is worn off a lot more than the other, then you have to start suspecting things like the wheel cylinders or something like that. Also where the shoe wears on the top and not on the bottom or something like that on the bottom and not on the top. Or even rarely you'll see where the inside of the shoe is worn more than the outside of the shoe mm-hmm. where it's cocking. And you can get into things like bent bracking, backing plates or dry out. backing plates, worn, worn out. out backing plates. All those sorts of things. That used to be a common occurrence with drum brakes. The backing plates would wear a groove in it because the shoe didn't move a whole lot, but it moved back. It didn't move a great distance. Yeah, but it moved moved a a whole lot, and it would wear a groove in the pad. Mm -hmm. And that shoe would get caught in that pad, and it would start wearing funny. So you'd have to either replace the the backing plates Mm -hmm. or repair them. Yeah, in many cases, replacing those backing plates was a big deal because you had sure. to pull the axle shafts out to get them off. If you could get them. Yeah. A lot and, of times they weren't available. Them, they may have been obsolete or, or whatever because we're talking about generally older cars. And right where those shoes contact that plate, there's normally three little pads there. Right. And those are supposed to be lubricated. But what happened, they were lubricated when they left the factory, but over time, over time, the grease either went away or somebody called themselves cleaning the brakes. Right, sprayed brake fluid, cleaned it all off, and didn't put the lube back. Right, and so it, the shoes you had metal on metal rubbing. It just didn't take that long to dig a groove in there. Mm-hmm. And we used to, as you said, we'd go in and weld those little grooves up, machine them back down, take a dial indicator, and make sure they're all level and straight and the same. And you could repair the backing plate. And even though it was fairly labor intensive, if you didn't have another option, sure, because say the you'd have to pull all the axles and everything else out of the car, that would have been real expensive. So this makes more sense under those terms. Or maybe the backing plates are just no longer available. Then you would have to go in and do a and repair to it. But there's a number of things like that that can cause the brake pedal to go low. Another is we had a guy come in one time, and someone had turned the rotors on the car and did a really poor job turning the rotors, had cut them crooked to where they're wobbling slightly. And that resulted in the brake pedal going very, very low. Mm-hmm. Because as that rotor would rotate, 
it was pushing the caliper piston back into the bore farther than it was supposed to go right so that when you applied your brake the first time the piston had to move all the way out and the way you could kind of spot this is when you hit the brake initially the pedal would go very low but if you immediately let it up and hit it again it would be without rolling the car then it would come up much higher because mm-hmm. the piston had already moved out against the rotor as soon as the wheel started to rotate then it would push the piston back and have a low pedal that was one of the common things when we used to turn rotors Mm -hmm. you had to make sure it was true to the vehicle and also true on the machine so when you got done doing the machine work when you put it back on the vehicle you had to make sure it had to run out well and sometimes particularly like up north where you get corrosion on those little bearing uh, excuse me those hubs you take the rotor off and there's some corrosion in there and you put it back on and the corrosion in a different spot then so it's best to index those mark mm-hmm. them before you take them off let's go to our phone lines with john good morning john hi it's john hey john you there can you hear me yeah yeah breaking up some but I, I got you okay just a couple of things i was into my mechanic this week and i just thought your people might be interested in listening to this story about somebody that had a had did their own antifreeze and didn't do it correctly and ended up cracking the block on their Honda and had to put a new engine in it wow mm. Yeah, that's what, you know, I, like I, I, you know, people think sometimes that they can do stuff themselves. And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, for what it costs to have you people do it, you really shouldn't take that risk. Well, an improper service can be much worse than no service at all. And Honda is one that if you dump the antifreeze into the engine and then put the water in on top, in other words, don't pre-mix it, you can end up with that because the water in a Honda engine does not flow through the cylinders. It thermally rises up and down. But the cylinder wall, if you ever take the head off, you can look down and you can see the, the, the water jackets. And there's no flow in there. The water's flowing through the head. If you pre-mix it, it flows fine. If not, you may have all the antifreeze down in the engine block and water in the top or vice versa. And you could end up with a freeze problem or an overheat problem. Well, I've been to your school and I, I understood that. And uh, there's a fellow, have you ever heard of this fellow on the internet that does all sorts of videos now on fixing cars? him i have not but i know there are a number of guys out there and some of them are pretty good some of them not so much you got to always watch what's on the internet because i've seen some stuff out there that is just completely wrong being told but then there are some good ones as well so you got to do a little research before you take anything to heart well now i've been to the school from you fellas i watched it and he's saying about taking a garden hose and squirting water inside that oh that's something that uh, you guys would say no no be careful no see city water can have chlorine it can have fluoride it has all kinds of salts and minerals and everything else it's definitely not suitable for a cooling system yeah so i think it's a good to to your customers to know that uh, they got to listen to the right thing it really could be into big money again yeah just one other thing i listened to your bride on uh, a couple of weeks ago on the show uh and you better make sure she doesn't retire because she sounds like she knows as much as you guys oh that's (laughs) not not that hard she knows a whole lot more than me (laughs) well i I could get i I think she caught you a couple of times but uh, Say hello to her for me. I I, I was uh, I can tell you know when you work with people long enough, there's osmosis, and she knows as much as you guys know. I think pretty well. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> All right. Hi, John. I, I, well, you weren't too busy today with phone calls, so I thought I wanted to tell you, give you a couple little things. Well, good. Thanks for calling, John. Uh, well, thanks again. Always nice to listen to you, fellas. Thank you. Bye bye. Okay. Bye. You know that's another point that I had a guy who emailed I guess last week, and he was talking about. A lot of the videos and stuff you'll see, like on YouTube, mm-hmm. and 
a lot of them are okay. Right. Some of them are good, and some of them are just dead wrong. Exactly. I mean, they are advocating things that they did it, and maybe it might might have worked, worked out, out for them at that time. And you got to be very careful who you listen to, mm-hmm. because it's sort of like a guy who maybe goes and buys a certain stock, and it goes up. And he sells it and he makes some money. Well, now he thinks he's an expert. Right. But he doesn't know. <laughs> he got lucky. Luck of the draw, time. yeah. And the same thing can happen on that. Yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot of things are advocated that are improper, like filling the radio with a garden hose. Number sure, one, you got city water. Number two, you're not pre-mixing the cooler. Well, that, that's a big red flag right there. Yeah. I mean, you can use the water hose to wash the condenser out, you know, clean the condenser fins, clean the radiator fins, but that's as far as it needs to go in an automobile. Right. And more and more manufacturers are going to pre-mixed coolant just to avoid this problem. Exactly. When you buy a pre-mix, it's got the distilled water in it. It's mixed at the right ratio, and it's already mixed. Mm-hmm. Now, the only you're drawback. Paying, well, you're paying twice as much. Sure. Because you're only getting half as much coolant in a gallon jug. You're actually getting a half a gallon of coolant, so it's going to take two of these to fill the system as opposed to one or the other. Right. And you're paying to transport and ship all this water, which is one of the largest parts of the expense of antifreeze, be it a gallon or a 55-gallon drum. It's heavy. Sure. Very, very, very heavy. So you're paying a lot of transportation costs. So that's why the premix is so much more expensive. But people just won't do it right, so the manufacturers endeavor to try to force them to do it right Right. by selling it only as a premix. And I guess overall it's probably a lower cost than doing it wrong. Oh, exactly. You know, it's sort of like when they went to sealed wheel bearings. Now, a sealed wheel bearing is much, much more expensive than the old wheel bearings where you could take them apart, change the races, change the bearings and all. Repack them, but put them back together. People just would not do the job properly. Right. They're eating up wheel bearings right and left, so they came out with a sealed wheel bearing where you can't service it, and the failure rate went way down. Mm-hmm. Same thing with you know, non-greasable ball joints and everything else. When you remove improper service, then the failure rate goes down. But the price tends to go up. Well, it does. And that's one of the reasons why they go into the what they call sealed transmissions, where there's no dipstick on transmission and all that, is because they figured out if you just leave the blasted thing alone, it's probably going to survive better than if you do it wrong. Exactly. Now, it's not going to survive nearly as well as doing it right. In other words, a, with a proper service every 50,000 miles, this transmission may go 300,000 miles. Mm-hmm. With no service at all, it'll probably make 100,000 sure. miles. And if it makes 100,000, they figure that's the life of the car. Everybody ought to be happy. Right. An improper service at 50,000 miles could take transmission out at at 55 or 51. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So they have found that because the service level in the industry or in the field is not always what it should be, Sometimes by making something less serviceable, they can make it last at least through the warranty period. And not only that, it looks better on their maintenance schedule. Well, it does because, because it's not there anymore. Showing as much maintenance as due on the car. The point is, with improper service, yes, yes. you're going to have a problem. With no service, you're going to have a problem sooner. With proper service, then you're going to have much less chance of ever having a problem. And that's why, like John said, sometimes it's probably less expensive to go ahead and pay a professional to do the job for you if you're not 100% sure exactly how to do this properly. Exactly. Hey, we can take one last quick little break. Be right back with more in the Automotive Hour. 
Ah, yes, Mr. Bigfoot. Uh, make yourself comfortable on the couch and tell me what has stressed you out. Uh, I'm just a secluded forest dweller, and I like it like that. But every now and then I get these people hunting me down. There's a TV show, jerky commercials, and now another movie. Then I worry about the hype. If they do find me, will my feet be big enough? Well, Mr. Foot, I can't really do much about these people, but I can tell you how to create some peace of mind in your life. Do like me and take your car into Agco once a year for a general inspection. They provide me an honest opinion on the maintenance and repairs I need now and in the future. They can even catch small issues that could lead to big, expensive problems down the road. An Agco general inspection, huh? Oh, one more thing, Doc. Could you tell me where I can find this toilet paper? I've heard wonderful things about it. Here's Agco's number. And the name of another store that may ship some TP straight to your cave. Thanks, Doc. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alzan, president of Agco Automotive. Our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here in the co-pilot seat. Between two of us, we'll try to answer any questions you may have. And we're getting close to the end, but we still got a few more minutes talking today about bleeding brakes and such as that, uh-huh. flushing the fluid out in your car and why that's necessary. And, you know, when you're getting ready to put the brake pads on, mm-hmm. when you got the caliper off and you're fixing to press that piston back into the mm-hmm. bore, open the bleeder screw and expel that fluid at the bleeder screw at the caliper. Do yep. not force that old fluid back up into the system. Yeah, if you're doing a brake service, you don't want to ever just push those pistons back in because all the nastiest contaminants are going to be in the base of those calipers. That's the lowest point in the system. It's where it tends to accumulate. Mm-hmm. When you squeeze that piston back in, you're flushing all that backwards through the system up into the ABS unit. And you can cause some very expensive damage. Right. Two ways to handle that. One is to flush the system out before you start to get it all out of there. And I would still open the bleeder screw. There's when you push those caliper pistons in, open your bleeder screw, and that way the fluid is expelled right, rather than right there back force through the system because you're creating a lot of hydraulic pressure pushing that fluid back up. And you can also potentially cause problems. That's right. Because that fluid and those little valves, those valves, those ABS valves have tiny passages in them, and the least little bit of trash can get in one of them and hang it up and it's over that's there, right there's no getting it there's no fixing it now you're into a abs modulator which can be anywhere the very very inexpensive ones are generally three to five hundred dollars and some of them up to twenty five hundred dollars sure depending on what all they operate and, and all that. then you have the problem of having to reprogram the electronic side of it if it's not replaceable right and not only programming but then you've got the more much more involved bleeding sequence exactly which is probably going to require a factory scan tool to get all the air out of this unit so you've taken a relatively minor procedure and turned mm. it into a very very major procedure sure you don't want to create problems for you so it's kind of like in the hippocratic oath the first line is do no harm right <laughs> <laughs> if you can't do good or help yourself you definitely don't want to harm yourself right and john had made that point very well even though you look on the internet you may see all kinds of things but that doesn't necessarily mean they're all correct so you got to be a little cautious if you don't have a service manual for your car, that's generally going to be the best information. If you got a service manual, you can look it up and see right. what or, they recommend. Or some kind of service information. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a, a couple of service information deals at the shop that we use often, yeah. very often, several times a day. You have to go to service data. Well, you can't remember all that stuff because just too many different designs out there. Every car now and every model of car and even two identical models made in different plants may have a different procedure. So it's not possible to just remember all that anymore. Right. You have to reference the service data. A couple of other points I just kind of want to touch on before we get out of here, and that is when you decide you are going to purge your fluid out, clean your brake fluid, what you want to do is go and buy 
the right amount to do the job. I would buy a pint bottle. I wouldn't even buy a quart. Mm-hmm. I would buy a pint bottle and go ahead and use that to do the job. When you're through, that should be disposed of properly. Right. You should not try to keep it because if you put the cap back on it and stick it on the shelf, two years from now when you get ready to use it again, you're going to do more harm than just because it, it is real cheap. It has sat there and drawn all that moisture in. Right. It's been opened already. So buy only as much as you need to do the job. Even if you think you're going to need more than a pint, buy, buy two, pints. two pints. Use one. If that doesn't do it, go ahead and use the other, but dispose of whatever you don't use. Right. Now, when your brake fluid starts to go low, I know people will say, well, I want to keep some on hand because my fluid goes. Well, when brake fluid goes low, it's generally an indication of a problem. Mm-hmm. Either the pads are wearing, and those pads can wear a fair amount before it really drops that level. So if your brake fluid goes down, you need to check. The pads may be getting pretty thin, and it's probably time for a brake service anyway. Second thing is, especially when it goes down fast, is that you've got a leak somewhere in the system. Right. Even though you still have a good brake pedal, if the fluid is going down too fast, there's several places that you could be losing fluid. Mm -hmm. One of the most common is the brake booster. Mm -hmm. The seal will go in the the diaphragm, will break in the brake booster. You won't notice it, but it draws enough vacuum on the back of the master cylinder to pull the fluid past the the seals. seals. Yeah, or suck the seals out the back of that master. And you'll lose fluid that way. And what happens so often there is that someone will go in, they'll see the fluid is low in the back of the mouse, and oh, my mouse cylinder's bad, mm-hmm. which it is. They would change the mouse cylinder and put it on. It lasts about one day, and it does it again. Right. Well, that's because the booster is causing the problem. It's, it's sucking the fluid out of that, and a brand-new mouse cylinder will not fix that. No. You just basically threw one away to kind of learn a lesson. And also what happens, let's say the mouse cylinder went bad first, and the fluid leaked into the booster. Right. That fluid inside of that booster will also make the booster go bad, and it'll take out the new mouse cylinder. Not immediately, maybe, but as soon as that fluid starts to deteriorate that diaphragm, because diaphragm is not designed to have brake fluid on it. Right. So anytime you address a master cylinder problem of any sort, you need to check the booster for brake exactly. fluid. And how do you normally do You can unbolt the master cylinder from the brake booster, but mm-hmm. be careful because there's an O-ring seal on a lot of them where mm-hmm. it seals the back of it. If, and you, if it drops out if and you falls drop, out, you don't notice it. Right, or if you try to open it with vacuum on it, it'll suck that O-ring into the booster. Okay. And if, you don't, if you're not aware that it's there, you'll miss putting it back on. Right. But you can unbolt the master cylinder from the booster, draw it back a little bit, and take something plastic, something that's not going to poke a hole in the booster. Mm-hmm. I like to use the back of a zip tie mm-hmm. and just kind of dip it all the way down to the bottom. And like a little like improvised a dipstick. dipstick, yeah. When you pull it out, if it's dry, then the booster's probably okay. But if there's any fluid on that zip tie, then you've got fluid leaking into that booster. It needs to be replaced. Right. And when you pull a mouse cylinder back, if you see fluid all around the back of that mouse cylinder, then that is a very good indication that you need to check further. Sure. And most masters now go into the booster. They do. It used to be at one time they bolted up kind of flat, and you could see the fluid leaking out between the booster and the master. You rarely see that now because most of them have like a tube or something that goes back into the master so that when they leak, they don't run down the backside of the booster. They leak They drop they leak inside into. of it. Chevy pickup trucks, what is that, about 2007 or so, six, seven, eight, up in that Two, area? Three through five, three through seven. Somewhere in somewhere there. Somewhere in there. Yeah, they had a real problem, and they redesigned the booster and the master cylinder to fix that. Right, so when you find one or the other, if you're going to replace one or the other, you usually end up having to place the set together, Mm -hmm. the booster and the master, because it's an updated part. It's a redesign, and the the old master won't fit on the new booster, and really, it's best to change them both anyway, because they're both going to be bad. Sure. 
that can show up in a number of ways. One is losing fluid. Right. Another is you can get a check engine light with it because of a vacuum leak if it's sucking enough air through the booster. Or you can get a check engine light because it's sucking brake fluid into the engine. Right. Through a, the, a puff of white smoke on acceleration is one of the indications of that because it'll suck that brake fluid into the engine, mm-hmm. run right through, go out the exhaust, and when it hits that catalytic converter, it can also destroy your catalytic converter. Exactly. Pretty darn fast. So, so it's something you really need to get address. on top of. Hey, I see we're just about totally out of time. I'm going to start winding on up, getting ready to get on out of here. I'd like to thank podcasters for listening this week, and go to your favorite broadcast or rebroadcast service, find a written review, and fill it out for us. That's right. Fill out the written review, move us up in the ranking so more people listen, and we can keep doing the show. A preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.